Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everybody. This is Vileen Shah, your facilitator for ILO Braille, welcoming you on March the 31st, 2022. ILO Braille is sponsored by the East Bay Center for the Blind, Berkeley, California, and supported by American Council of the Blind. Let me make sure that uh, you can all hear me well. Uh, Abraham, is it okay? Yes, I can hear you. You can hear, hear me well? Yes. Am I yes. too loud, too low? You know, you sound fine. Okay, great, thank you. Yeah, because uh, I'm using a different computer, my regular computer, I may say, betrayed me, saying that it is unable to open this meeting. I don't know. It says that it may be firewall or something else, and we don't have time to fix that. So immediately I open another computer. Friends, at the request of quite a few people, on this fifth Thursday of the month, which I call Flexible Fifth, I thought it would help if I share my own story with my love for Braille. Patricia Nash, the president of Braveview chapter, uh, which is in California for American Council of the Blind, was particularly curious to know about my association with Braille. And I said, Patricia, Patty, I can tell you. What do you want to know? She said, no, you want to tell before the audience of ILO Braille. And then of course there were other requests. And when I sent my announcement, the feedbacks I got that many people were curious to know about my experience with Braille and my association with Braille. So I said, all right, I'll do that. So here I am. Today's presenter is none but Vileen Shah. Who he is, let's know. So I will first share my social background, then my academic progress or growth, and then my career. So I'm dividing my uh, bio into three sections. My social background, first of all, as most of you know, probably all of you, uh, today my computer didn't allow me to check how many new people are there, but anybody who is attending first time, uh, I welcome you. You know, as the facilitator of this program, which I started on September 9th, 2021, uh, I feel great when I welcome new people. Okay, so as most of you know that I'm originally from India and I can't conceal my accent. Uh, most Americans say that uh, we, they are able to understand me pretty well. So I'm hoping that uh, my audience here does not have much problem understanding me. Um, I was born in a very small village of one of the most backward countries, undeveloped countries in the world. Let me be sure that you know, you, all of you have heard about India, but India when I was born was much backward. Today, India is a guru of computer world and India has all the late, latest missiles and uh, uh, warfare weapons and of course uh, all high rises and uh, air services and almost everything that you have and of course India is also a democracy like the United States. 
I'm of course an American citizen, so I tell people that my foreground is American, my background is Indian. That is a computer, uh, I call them computer jargons, which means, uh, yeah, I was born in a small village that had no electricity, no water supply, and uh, the population was only 500 people. One good thing was that everybody knew everybody in that village. So when I was almost three years old, I got uh, measles and my eyes were closed. The doctor tried hard to open my eyes and it took him seven days. I don't know what he applied and how he did. It's been a long time back. But ultimately, the doctor was able to open the eyes, but that was just the eyes and nothing inside. In other words, I had become blind. So obviously, my parents were concerned and they immediately rushed to different doctors. And then ultimately, they took me to one of the uh, reputed ophthalmologist. That's something uh, eye specialist. I, I know I have some accent here. Ophthalmologist is little spoken differently by the people born in the United States. But I hope you understood. Anyway, uh, the eye specialist doctor checked and said in one minute that nothing can be done. Whether you take him to the best hospital one of the best hospitals of India, one of the best eye doctors of India, or even if you take to uh, any advanced country, he will not get his sight back. Therefore, the doctor advised my parents the best option for you to raise this child like a normal child. That little piece of advice helped my parents first time confronted anything like blindness, they had no clue, but they raised me like a normal child. And then when I was eight years old, we learned about a boarding school for the blind, a residential school. And uh, immediately my parents made arrangements for me to go there and I started getting my education. I was always little unhappy that my brothers were getting education, they were going to school and I was not able to do that. But now with that, I was so happy. And I started, I learned Braille to begin with as is taught in every residential blind school. And then I did my grammar school in a residential school. And then starting high school, I started going to a regular normal school but no braille books were available and there were no arrangements by any social agency or government to provide braille books for the people who cannot read print. So I had to depend on readers, on my sighted friends, my classmates mostly, who would read to me, I would listen and remember. And during the exam, of course, they provided a scribe or a writer, so I would dictate my answers. That's how I got my high school graduation. I topped in one subject among all the people who appeared for the exam. There were some 200,000 students. It was a public exam. And then of course I went to college. Now a couple of things I would like to mention here that when I learned Braille, my experience with the uh, Braille was different. The school I went to taught me dot arrangements differently. They said the left side dot, you know, as all of you know, that uh, a Braille cell is a rectangle uh, with three dots each in a two rows, in two rows. So they taught me left side it is one three five dot number and Right side, it is two, four, six. 
after my fifth grade for my middle school, I happened to change the school. And that, they, they taught me that uh, left side is dots number one, two, three, and right side is four, five, six. So all my dot arrangements were changed for the braille letters. Uh, but I don't know, I, I, I immediately grasped. And then I thought, who is right? Whether one, two, three, and four, five, six is right, or one, three, five, and two, four, six is right. Uh, then I, you know, uh, down the road, when I happened to come into contact with other Braille schools, I learned that dot number one, two, three on the left, four, five, six on the right is the most popular way of learning and teaching Braille. And I probably, I was relatively young, so it didn't take me to transform from that different dot arrangements. And I, I was able to grasp it immediately. Yet another thing I would like to mention about my learning Braille is that I was taught Braille in my language, Indian language, not in English. And in Indian language, we have 48 alphabet, 48 letters. So obviously, of course, many of these uh, English letters look the same, but those letters, those uh, phonetic uh, symbols, which did not exist in English, were customized to the Indian language. So I actually started learning English when I was 14 years old. And then while learning English to begin with, the first word of English I learned. And then after some months, when I had learned a few words in English, I came across a book of contractions. I mentioned this somewhere before. I was so thrilled that, wow, my English, we can save space while writing English using contractions. So I started memorizing. I said, down the road, these are the contractions I'm going to read when I want to read English books. And I was able to memorize all 189 contractions in two days. The contractions not only taught me how to write short, shorthand English, but also taught me several new words because I was still new to this language and it worked. I was able to read books and then I used to order books from RNIB, which is Royal National Institute for the Blind in London. And uh, I was able to read Matilda Ziegler. And there was one interesting uh, publication. I think it was done from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Jack and Jill. Although it was the uh, magazine for children, I enjoyed reading that because I was in the learning uh, mode of English. That's how I finished my high school. I did my college. When I was doing my bachelor's, one challenge that uh, confronted me, what am I going to do in my life? What will be my career? I said, well, I, I think uh, I would like to go for a law. But then I thought, no, I would rather teach. So I earned my master's in uh, political science and then started looking for a job. Once again, during my high school study also, I, as I mentioned, I didn't have braille books. Obviously college is out of question. So mostly when my classmates read out the books to me and uh, got some notes, I wrote those notes in Braille. And when it is exam time, you don't get readers because everybody wants to prepare on their own. So I had my notes and I prepared the notes in Braille and depended on that. And that's how I took all exams, whether it is bachelor's or master's. I was able to use uh, my Braille notes for preparing, of course, and then take the exams. So that may help you understand that Braille is an integral part of my life. It has been so helpful 
that I use Braille for almost everything. Now I found a teaching position and I had to prepare my lectures. I had to prepare and present myself that I know the subject well, not only that, but I'm able to deliver at the level that students can understand. And all that was possible because somebody read the book to me and then I recorded, of course, I started using recording and then I recorded the important chapters on cassette, listened to them and made braille notes because you can't carry the cassette recorder in the, to the class. You have to have some notes in your hands. So I made braille notes there. I also listed the rosters, the names of students in braille and called the attendance. I maintained records. Of course, when I had to present the records to the office, attendance records or uh, transcripts, I had to have some cited help, which I took. But in a, all the respects, I use Braille. Then while teaching there in college, I was a professor of political science using Braille, teaching sighted people. I got my immigration visa, it's called immigration visa or green card. So I got a green card because my petition was approved to go to the United States. And I decided to go. Many people advised me not to go, <clears throat> asking that or suggesting that I had a stable job. I had my home, my family. It's not advisable to undo everything and go to a different country and start at a scratch. I said, well, I want to go. And I went and I'm here. So sometimes if you would believe, I believe in destiny or karma, that probably we are all destined to meet through Isle of Braille. Probably it is karma, those who want to believe, I don't impose, that it took us together here and I'm here. Well, after coming here, I used to go by uh, public transportation and on the bus, a blind lady was also to uh, ride. I, that was on Chicago. And she said that here in this country, in the United States, 70% of the blind people are unemployed. So I told her that, well, I see myself in 30% and not 70%. Luckily, I was able to find a teaching position, but it was a part-time job, which I took. And I've been teaching there with the City College of Chicago. And then I found a full-time position with Hadley School for the Blind, where I taught for 20 years. I taught not only Braille, but I also taught American history because I have a master in history, a master in political science, and a master in sociology. Along with teaching at college, I continued to teach at Hadley, and I taught American history, world history, American government, and of course, six different courses of Braille. Not only that, I also contributed to designing some of the courses like everyday reading in Braille and uh, transitioning to UEB. I think when I left on my records, there were 8,000 students whom I taught during my 20 years of career. And when I checked with the college where I'm still teaching online because I'm now I live in California. I moved from Chicago to California in 2018, and I've been teaching. Uh, I have continued to teach online. So at the college level, I think I taught nearly over 2,000 students. So that is briefly, I may say that what my social background, my academic uh, accomplishments or achievement, and my career story. I'll be happy to answer questions from the audience. And I would request Abraham to announce the names. As I said, I'm on a different computer. I used to do that, but today I do not know who is raising hands. So that's fine. Anybody, most welcome. Okay, before I announce, um, 
who raised their hands, let me go through the procedure to uh, unmute yourself as well as raise your hand. So if you're on a computer, you can unmute using Alt-A. You can raise your hand using Alt-Y. If you're on a Mac, it's going to be options Y to raise your hand and command shift A to unmute. If you phoned in, you're going to uh, tap star six to unmute and star nine to raise your hand. Um, if you on one of the apps on the iPhone, the unmute toggle is at the bottom left and under the more options, you'll, which you'll find on the bottom right, you can raise your hand. Similarly, on a tablet, the unmute option is in the center of the screen and your more options in the top right of the screen. Okay, um, so the first person who has her hand raised is Jane. She raised it quite a while ago. Hello to you, all of you. And Valine, first of all, I wanna say as a graduate of your transitioning to UEB, Thank you for that. Oh, and secondly, mm -hmm. thank you for your, well, I want to go anyway. I am so glad that you have both India and the U.S. of A. in your pockets, in your life experience. My two questions about Braille are, I would like to understand the philosophy that said uh, dots one, three, and five were basic and dots uh, two, four, and six were. I'm interested uh, in how that worked and how you then, s I, I, I got it that you said, well, I just got a switch to one, two, three, four, five, six. Um, so the second part of my question is th that you did run into the issue of writing code versus just Braille following your typical language. I, I wonder how you dealt with those things. So I'm going to mute and listen. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, very good questions, Jane. Uh, first and foremost, uh, uh, you know, when you are taught, you're taught. I don't think people give you much logic, but the logic I understand behind dots one, three, five, and two, four, six is that odd and even. You know, out of the six dots, they kept all odd numbers on the left and even numbers on the right so that uh, you can, you know, combine. And there accordingly, uh, letter B would consist of dots one and three. It is actually just naming differently or naming the positions differently. Letters were not different. Like when I learned A, B, C were different. Of course, by then I had changed the school. And then uh, that school taught me dots one, two, three on the left and four, five, six on the right. So it wasn't much issue. However, I the logic I see is that they kept odd numbers on the left and even on the right. And I don't know, but maybe it, it occurred to somebody's mind or maybe somebody who first taught Braille in India uh, did not remember the dot numbers. Or, well, it's hard to say. We have no history about that, but that's how it was. Um, secondly, you asked me about the Braille code. I think if you are flexible to learn, if you are open to learning, uh, if you are curious to learn, you can easily learn, easily learn different codes and you can easily transform from one to another. At least that happened with me. I was always excited to learn new things. So when I was first taught, I was taught and I, I grasped and I learned. But then when I had an opportunity to learn a new code, English code, I was very excited. And I wanted to learn English, and I did. And as I said, because I learned English, I'm here. I'm able to teach. Not only I was able to learn, but I'm able to teach. Oh, I don't know I, I, if I answered your both questions. You don't have to mute yourself until you hear me. Everybody who asks a question, please remain unmuted so that 
I can check with you. Uh, if you are happy, did you get the answer to your question? Yes, um, okay. I, I did. For uh -huh. me, the issue of writing code versus learning a second language was challenging. I was uh, disconcerted by it at first. So I was interested to see your response. And I love it that you're a teacher right here in this country. We are blessed to have you. Oh, thank you. Wow, that's a good compliment. Yes. Okay. And I'm blessed to be here. Okay. Let's see who is next. We have Joel. Hello, Joel. Are you able to unmute yourself? Um, she's still muted. We can go to the next person in the meantime, which is Rhonda. Okay. Randa Lee. Uh, yeah. Eileen, <laughs> thank you and Patty for arranging this presentation. And thank you for your um, stalwart service to Braille learners over the years. I'm, uh, um, I'm wanting to know more for other people that don't know this part of your story, that you are very humble and you had a very important honor in France earlier this millennium, and um, you were you were most um, pleased to be able to share something directly that Louis Braille had touched. Yes, terrific, and thank you for reminding me. In fact. Uh before uh, coming to this audience this morning, I thought I would share about the awards I've won or uh, honors I received. And Rhonda, I'll be honest to tell you that I forgot. So you are a good refresher. Uh, thank you for reminding. Um, I will first tell you that in 2004, I got Louis Braille Memorial Awards for my contribution to and promotion of Braille. In 2007, I was awarded uh, what they call Lifetime Achievement Award by the governor of Illinois. It was arranged by a TV channel. Uh, and uh, in 2009, here I'm coming to answer uh, Randa's question. In 2009, I was invited as one of the keynote speakers at the bicentennial celebrations of Louis Braille's birthday to Paris. And uh, the topic the organizers gave me to speak about was education of blind and visually impaired children in North America. So I had to cover the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Some people don't consider Mexico as part of North America, and some do. But I tried my best, and I, I presented my paper. So I may say that I was really honored to be among uh, the selected people who presented their papers at the bicentennial celebra centennial celebrations of Louis Braille in Paris. And as of as most of you know, that Louis Braille was born near Paris in Couvre. It's the French name, C-O-U-P, P as in Peter, V as in Victor, R-A-Y. Once again, C-O-U-P-V-R-A-Y, it is pronounced Couvre. Even Braille is not pronounced Braille in French, it's Braille. But that's different, anyway. As part of my visit and, uh, you know, of this uh, bicentennial celebration, uh, I was taken to the Louis Braille Museum, which is the birthplace of Louis Braille, uh, which is in Couvre. And uh, uh, Louis Braille's house is converted into museum. So I was so excited to be at the place of the person whom I loved so much in my life. And there, uh, you know, they showed me 
the slate and stylus that Louis Braille used, at least the slate, they were not sure about the stylus, but the slate that Louis Braille used to write Braille. Of course, when Louis Braille wrote, it wasn't called Braille. You know, that's interesting. The, the code, the script was not named Braille. Even when Louis Braille was alive, his code based on dots was not even adopted, was not accepted. So it was after his death that first England or Great Britain adopted his code and then France followed. But that's interesting part of another story. I was so thrilled to use the slate that Louis Braille used and I wrote one sentence. They gave me a paper, they gave me a stylus and I wrote and I carried that paper with me. I kept it with me for a long time because that was such a sweet memory. Yeah, so there is so much about my association with uh, Louis Braille and uh, his 200th birthday. Thank you, Rhonda. Yeah, thank you, Eileen. Over. Hi. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah, sweetie. This is Jewel. This is Jewel. Um, oh, apparently, I can Jewel use is always precious. That much I know. What's that? Jewel is always precious. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay. I, apparently, right. my show can be used as a speaker, but will not pick up my voice with the microphone. So that's okay. annoying. No problem. But, okay. Yes. So I have two questions. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you learned all of the English contractions in two days. Mm -hmm. Could you touch on how you learned them that quickly? The other question is, if you have any advice for people learning a foreign language in Braille that is vastly different from their own, for example, like Hindi and English or English and Arabic. Uh, let me first answer your first question, um, how I learned those contractions, you know. Uh, the book gave me the letters as usual, any contraction book you see, you know, uh, B and opposite to that B, there was the word B-U-T, but. So I said, oh, this is easy. You know, B for but, C for can, D for do, okay. It didn't take me too long to learn. But then came the abbreviations, as we call, actual word is abbreviation, uh, which is in a way a, a kind of contraction. And there they had like AB about, okay, I could understand that. ABV, above, and I did not know what above means because I was still new to English. So I went to somebody who knew English and said, what is this above? And he told me, the meaning and that's how I learned the meanings of the words and I learned the contractions and words and I don't know I did that book was good enough for me to learn all of those abbreviations and contractions okay uh, your second question was something about uh, what was that English in Arabic or English what was that yeah um, how, how any tips on learning a foreign language braille when, when you're learning a foreign language that is vastly different from your own, for example, like Hindi and English, very different languages or, um, English and Arabic, you know, um, French and Mandarin, things like that. Uh, I think, uh, you are using probably a different terminology, uh, uh, English and Arabic, English and Indian, uh, no, English is English. But Indian language is, so you may probably want to say Braille in Indian language or Braille in Arabic or Braille in Mandarin. Uh, if that is the thing, yeah. Uh, actually, Braille has been customized to almost all languages of the world. Mandarin having some 3000 different characters and Braille having only 63 signs was quite challenging for the Chinese people to customize Braille, but they did. Japanese having so many characters also customized, but the Indian languages are so close to in a way English because there is a whole group of languages called Indo-European uh, family of languages in which uh, all languages share some similarities like English, French, Latin, Sanskrit, Hindi, 
and many other Indian languages and European languages. So it wasn't so difficult to customize Braille into Indian language. Uh, as I said, there are 48 letters, 36 consonants and 12 vowels. Actually, uh, many of them are used in English, but in used differently. For instance, when you see a combination of the letters SH, you do not pronounce them separately. You know, like uh, um, cash, C-A-S-H. The moment you see S-H, you say, you know, sh, cash. So in Indian language, there is only one symbol for the letter, combination of letter S-H, because that's only one letter in originally Indian language. Similarly, T-H, you know, and uh, there are other letters that are so similar. So uh, those are those exist in English, but English treat them differently. So it wasn't much difficult for me to learn the Braille code in my language, and then uh, trans, you know, from that transition to the English Braille code. It, you know, if you are flexible to learn, you can learn a lot. That's my my philosophy. Got it, Jill? I guess I was um, thinking more along the lines of tips on how to learn the language when it's different and resources for where to find information on learning those languages um, in the Braille code for those languages, rather. Um, so yeah, like Arabic, is... you know, Quranic, um, Arabic, finding uh -huh. the Braille code for that is possible, but it's hard. Or um, finding the Braille code for Mandarin or Tibetan, mm -hmm. you know, those are very hard languages <laughs> to find the codes for. I wouldn't say anything is hard. When you de are determined to learn, nothing is difficult. Nothing is hard. It may be challenging, but not hard. Uh, I met a person uh, who is American. Uh, if I have to say, I can. I don't know. Yeah, he's American white. And he went to India and learned Indian languages. And then he became a professor of Hindi. His first language is English. And he's blind. I don't know. I, I asked him, how did you manage to learn Braille in Hindi? He did, because he wanted to learn. And not only that, he learned. He became a professor of Hindi. Uh, come on, I cannot. <laughs> I mean, I, I know Hindi so well. Hindi is the main language of India, one of the several languages is called H-I-N-D-I, Hindi, similar to the word Hindu, but this is a language, Hindi, H-I-N-D-I, okay? Yeah, so it's doable. When you, when you are determined to do, nothing is difficult. Okay, we'll go to next. Um, next is Scott Edwards, um, and we have 19 minutes to the hour. What's the name? Scott Edwards. Yeah. Oh, Scott. 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 Yeah. yeah. Right. Hey, Hi, Scott. Uh, hi. How are you doing? Uh -huh. uh, enjoyed your enjoyed your little bio there, uh, uh, Valine. But when you when you mentioned you know the dots, what it what occurred to me was, and maybe you weren't taught it this way, but what occurred to me is the way they had adopted the the system adopted wherever either fully in all in asia or india or middle east whatever middle east far east I don't, wherever it was adopted it sounds like they used the system where you divide the cell into thirds instead of halves where it, such that dots um the top the top middle or, or i mean the, the top two dots were from left to right one and two the the middle two were three and four from left to right and the bottom two were dots five and six from left to right that's what it mm -hmm. i don't know if it ever occurred to you that that's how it was oh uh, no thank you for sharing yeah, that's it was interesting mm -hmm. but yeah i guess the way you figured out was dot odd and even you know left side was odd and yeah right side like but uh, yeah because it uh it it just it just it occurred to me that they were the way they the system they adopted was 
dividing it into thirds instead of half instead of half makes sense thank you so much good thought i appreciate it all right okay all right we have masha summers next okay yeah what's the name masha masha yeah masha Okay, we can go to, um, I think, Louise is next, Pastelli. Estelle, yeah. But no, um, Luis uh, Pastelli uh, from Brazil. Oh, Luis. I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. Hello, Luis. Hello, Hello my friend. Can you Hello. hear me? Hello, Brazil. Yes, How are you? <laughs> How are you? How Como are you, estas? Como estamos? <laughs> okay. Billy. Uh, it's a real pleasure for me to come Thank back. You. I am uh, talking to you uh, from my work, and I, I appreciate your explanations about uh, Indian uh, Indian uh, letter groups and its comparison with English. Very interesting. I never uh, thought about it. Ne very interesting. I just... Uh, uh, decided to talk today just to, to tell you that La Maison Natale e uh, Institut Valentin Oui in Paris asked me to write a little text about my work with blind children, blind children. I wrote it and they published it in the two museums. If you want, I can send you a copy I have a copy in French and another in English. If you want, I can uh, send you and you can send to all of my friends uh, of this group. Okay? Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Louis. And how much is your charge for the book? Um, is <clears throat> It is about my uh, work with blind students. Uh, yeah. uh, telling about the neuropsychomotor development. <laughs> this is my mantra. Good, 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 good. So, uh, you are, are you going to, are you going, uh, is there any cost, you know, how much money they have to pay? No, 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 <laughs> no. Okay. Absolutely. So I, would, I, I will send you via email, okay? Yeah, you, you email me the book and anybody who requests, I will just forward it to them. Okay. Okay. And thank I you. may say your charge will be thank you. Like thank you. People must thank say you thank much. you, and that's your charge. Okay. Thank All you. Right. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Next. Uh, I see Marsha is unmuted, but she lowered her hand. Uh, Marsha, uh, do you have a comment or question? Marsha. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Why uh, not? I, was, I wasn't finished. Did you say there's 108 contractions? In, there, there were 189 contractions. Oh, 189? Yeah, 189, I think. Uh -huh. And uh, now, of course, they've eliminated nine in the UEB. So it's no longer 189. So, yeah, so, yeah, that was my next question. If, yeah. if I'm in UEB and I happen to get something that's the other one, I there would only be nine things that would confuse me. Yeah. And, I, so, and I, I guess you can order a print of a, of a code book. You, I mean, because I'm still sighted, so I've been uh -huh. learning contractions. Uh -huh. okay. But I don't, okay. see, I don't see them anywhere. I've been depending on I love Braille and people telling me what they are. Oh, you, you mean the book of contractions? Yes. Oh, you may want to contact National Braille Press which is in Boston, National Braille Press. Uh, it, uh, if anybody has the number can give, probably I can find it for you. Well, my, it, hus it, my husband husband can find it online. He's just- All right. No, I'm, I'm you good. have such a nice husband. I don't have to worry. No, he's okay. a very, okay, very, great. Very so remember the title, National Braille Press. And when you get the number from your husband, call them. They should be- uh, able to give you a book and it may cost you some uh, few bucks not a lot okay, maybe well, ten dollars maybe more i do not know now uh, okay, okay well he, he's deaf 
Right. So we have a really interesting communication challenge. So okay. he, he will he will find it online and email them and get it that way. Sounds good. Yes. Thank you. They will they will also you know uh, give you the catalog of the books that they are selling. Okay. Okay. So then once you get all contractions memorized, then you can even order books in Braille. Okay. Good. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. Let's uh, see. We have twelve minutes to the hour, Berlin, and we have Dawn up next. Dawn. Yes. Hello. Hello. Sorry. Hello. I had to find the, I had, I had the little button in focus, but announcements pop up and it moves me off, off the mute button. So, uh -uh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. so um, yes. anyway, um, yeah, so I've got a little thing. Marsha can also get a book. I think it's, I think it costs like $20, but um, it's mm -hmm. called Just Enough to Know Better. Mom got that book to help teach herself Braille and she is, she is cited. So that might be something she might want to look at. National Braille Press does sell that. Um, I think it's like 20, it used to be like $8, but now I think it's $20 now. Okay. And it has some Braille exercises and stuff that she can do. So that might be something she might want to check into. It's literally just enough to know better. Um, oh, so okay. the question I have for you. Yes. Um, for people who don't know, um, you were you're a transcriber, at least you still are that I know of, of with the LOC. My question is, how do you do that? Because to me, I don't mean to sound offensive when I say it, but it just seems like that would be easier for a sighted person to do. I'm not saying a blind person can't transcribe things, but it just seemed like it. I don't know. I'm just kind of curious on how you do that as a as a blind person trying to translate transcribe a print book into a braille book for for that i i don't know if i'm making sense <laughs> uh let me uh, quickly recap my understanding so basically you want to know how a blind person can transcribe a print book into braille Correct? yeah pretty much okay. yeah pretty much because you're i mean yes. from what i've known you're yeah. a transcriber you're a certified transcriber with the loc and I've heard you talk about it a few times off and on with various calls that I've, you know, mm -hmm. that I've been on with you. Oh, and okay. that's, you know, th that's what I, that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> it is, it is simple, you know, to begin with, uh, a blind person has to have print materials available in audio, at least, because you are going to make it in Braille. So it is not available in Braille. Yeah. It has to be available in audio, either recorded or somebody reads in person. So if you have a sighted person helping you to transcribe, you know, the sighted person would read, would explain how a particular type form is shown in a print, you know, is a box or, a, a, you know, there are a, like, a, you know, things like tables, or how it is presented in print, because the purpose is to keep Braille abreast to print, which yes. means Braille follows print. In order to have Braille following print, you have to know how it is shown in print, which means you need sighted help. And either the sighted person can record the audio with all explanation about the print, or sighted person can do it personally then only a blind okay. person can do it because ultimately the blind person cannot read print, period. No. <laughs> okay. Got it? Okay. Thank you. Yeah, I've okay, always been curious about that. And Abraham, how many hands are up by chance if you had a um, chance to count? I think it's five. Okay, good. Uh, we have Alan up next. Hello, Alan. Eveline. Hey, nice I, to see you. Same. Um, curious, have you, your, uh, the language written in print in India is Sanskrit, is it not? Uh, are you saying that uh, are the Indian languages written in print? Yeah, is it Sanskrit? Is it called Sanskrit? Or is Sanskrit, yeah. Sanskrit is, okay. Uh, I'm not too sure, but let me first tell you and then you can ask me more uh, 
first of all, yes, all Indian languages have their own script in print. Sanskrit is the original Indian language, which is similar to Latin, and it's no longer in use. Uh, you don't find people talking in Sanskrit. You know, you find people knowing Sanskrit, but their first language is not Sanskrit. Yes, Sanskrit has a script and uh, it's called Devanagari, but don't worry about the word. Uh, and uh, uh, then other languages like Hindi and uh, there are other languages, each one have their own script and grammar. So yes, they, are, uh, they have their own method of printing languages. But have is you, that your question or you are asking something else? You're, you're breaking a lot. Yeah, it is. It looks very unusual because uh, you are not used to seeing that script or language. It seems you have seen uh, the print Sanskrit somewhere. Uh, but it's it's like you know uh, when uh, uh, my wife was seeing something and she saw something in Greek and she said, "This is so unusual. I have no clue what." What language is this? So it it looks, you know, whenever it is some a new language or different language that we do not know, we find it unusual. Sanskrit is a very systematic language. It, it's more uh, standardized than even Latin because its consonants are arranged in the way how you speak, like first five consonants. I'm not going to teach Sanskrit here, but just give you an idea. Uh, you are, when you pronounce, you're pronouncing from your, uh, what you call uh, throat. And like that, they're, they're different set. They're, the, the consonants pronounced based on lips and from the palate, from the lips. And these are, it's so true. For instance, letter P, Letter F, letter B, these are the lip-based letters and you can't hold your one lip and speak letter P or F or B. So that kind of thing. Well, anyway, so yeah, it is unusual. That is true. Okay. The other question I have is when you, if you're transcribing something that's in audio and like cassette or something, how do you... How do you know what the punctuation is? Say like a dash, because punctuation is not spoken when it's spoken in an audio. So if you have a dash, you Unfortunately, Alan, we don't have good connection. So let's see if Abraham can uh, interpret um, what you said. I only heard partial what you said. Um, yeah, I couldn't uh, make out enough to give you yeah, unfortunately, you know, you're breaking with almost every word. So probably... Wayne, I heard what it said. Next, yes, please. Next, call, the next time we talk. I'm so sorry, Alan. I, I wish I could no. answer your question. Um, there was yeah. someone who heard what he said. Yeah, I, I, I heard what he said. This is Jody. Yes, Jody. yes, please. Tell us. Yes, he wants to know when you're listening to an audio mm -hmm. to transcribe, how do you know what punctuation to use? Because a lot of punctuation is uh, is does not come through. Like for example, a dash or or a hyphen. You know, you, you can't hear what that is. So how do you transcribe punctuation when you're listening to an audio? Uh, when something is recorded for a transcribing purpose, the person, uh, the reader, needs to be first trained, and the reader needs to announce everything, you know. A reader needs to say that uh, as we started, you know, cap as we started, comma, we ended up in a long journey period, like that, you know. They have to pronounce, they have to announce the punctuation, they have to announce open parentheses, closed parentheses, all caps, no caps, uh, bolded, Italic, you know, then only one can transcribe. Yeah. 
that, I hope that answers. Yes. Okay. Terrific. Thank uh, you. I'm happy. We still have four yes. hands raised. Four hands. And how much time? Uh, two, two minutes to the hour. Two minutes to the hour. Oh, I didn't yes. realize. Okay. <laughs> we will extend provided Abraham has time. Yes, I do. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So we'll take all, all four we questions. Have, for uh, Lori uh, next. <laughs> Hello, Lori. Hi, Valene. Um, I have two questions. One is quick. When you learned to use Braille in uh, living in India, when you were a child, did they have Braille writers or did you learn uh, using only a slate? And my second question is, is there any central location for getting uh, foreign uh, language books in Braille, especially things like Hindi and Chinese or Mandarin? Okay, thank you. Uh, first, uh, I was uh, introduced to the Braille writer when I was doing master. That oh. should answer your question. Oh. <laughs> and uh, it, that also leads me to add one more interesting thing that uh, I used to take notes in Braille uh, during class when professor would uh, uh, speak, you know, and I was using slate and stylus, but I had prepared my own contractions, almost over a thousand, mm. so that I could write the most I, I wanted to write, you know, in the notes. And those notes were very helpful uh, in preparing for my exams. So, yeah. I understand. <laughs> okay. Okay, one second. Uh, my computer is telling me something. Officer, what was your second question you said? Um, I was asking, is there any central resource for foreign language books in Braille, especially like books in Hindi or... Uh, right, good, or good question. Good, good question. Very good. Good to be curious. But for me, English is foreign language. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. what I mean to say, I didn't have a... So far, I didn't have a chance to find any resource uh, you know, if it offered, but it's a good question and uh, I would like to explore as well. But as of now, no, I do not know if there is Thank any you. source where you can try to get the code for Hindi or Mandarin or anything. There huh? should be something, but I do there not know. There should be, huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Next one. We have Mary next. Mary. Hello. Hello, oh. Valine. Yes. I enjoyed your presentation so much, and I just wanted to compliment you on your um, accent. I understand it extremely well. Um, I've known some other people from India, and their accent made it very difficult to understand them, but you're very clear, so that's, <laughs> Thank that's a you great so thing. Much. Yes. And uh -huh. um, I can just tell by the way you speak that you would be a wonderful, you are a wonderful educator. Um, my question is, I, yes. I, had, um, I had no idea that I Love Braille has been going for over six months. Is there mm -hmm. any way that we can get podcasts of previous calls? Terrific. Uh, thank you for all your compliments. Say your name again. My name's Mary Hopp. Okay, Mary. Uh, unfortunately podcasts are not available. I am getting a request from different people as well. But uh -huh. I wish, but I, I, I have no way. Number one, the East Bay Center that sponsors uh, this I Love Braille is a very small uh, center and mm -hmm. they do not have enough uh, room on their website so that they can record. Uh, and also, and therefore I had to move from them to have the link available from ACB, hoping <laughs> that if I get the link from ACB, I'll be able to keep all uh, archives available uh -huh. for my listener. But unfortunately, oh. that's not how it works. So one day, this is an interesting thing. One day I had my doctor's appointment and I requested Terry Nettles to handle the show. And mm -hmm. then I wanted to get the recording. There is a way that uh, th these uh, 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 episodes are recorded. So I requested ACB. And unfortunately, they said, no, that's not ACB policy to make it public. So I couldn't get, oh. I couldn't oh, get I the recording of my own show. However, I see. there is one thing. I, I do not like to stop or I do not like to 
be uh, gratified with what we have rather i would i'd like to work on what we need which means i am going to work hard on having the recorded sessions available archived so that you can go to a particular website and get them however as of now unfortunately the answer is no but down the road it will be yes okay well thank you very much and i yeah. i really appreciate these calls i've just started joining regularly oh great i'm happy welcome yes thank okay. you okay next one <laughs>